Hey, thanks for downloading and listening to the New Life Church Downtown Podcast. We'd love to stay connected on Instagram at NLC Downtown Little Rock or TikTok at NLC Downtown. We have devotionals, audio from our weekend messages, conversations about big topics and culture today, and lots of options for you to become a disciple of Jesus. We aren't just a Sunday church. We want to be here for you Monday through Saturday too. Looking forward to getting to know you better. Good morning. How are, how is everybody? Long time no see. Y'all doing well? Um, everybody keeps asking me, uh, how's it going? I'm Bronson, by the way. If you're new to this church in the past six weeks, you have not seen me. Uh, but I, I'm one of the leaders and one of the pastors here. And my wife and I had twins. Wait, Jubilee, stay with me for a little bit. Don't leave. We're just getting started. Uh, forgotten how things go around here. <laughs> um, Got to keep it spiritual. Then we'll read the scripture. Then I'll pray, and then we'll then you'll go away. Um, yeah, everybody's been asking me, "How's it going?" Like you, you had twins. How's it going? I know what they're asking. You know, how, how much are you sleeping? Things like that. And so I stepped out for a second uh, during during prayer. I was I was with you in spirit. Uh, I stepped out for a second. As I came back in, uh, I just walked in and uh, almost took one of our members' Bibles and walked up here. I thought it was my Bible. I don't know why I thought that, uh, but. You know, that's, that's where we're at. That's how it's going. Um, so, so we had twins, uh, Roman and Judah. They, they were born on December 15th, right before candlelight. And it's been amazing. Uh, this, is, this, this is my little tribe right here. Uh, I realized today, I was looking through, I was like, I need to find a picture of the whole family. We haven't had time for pictures of the whole family. Uh, we, we've just been keeping them alive. Uh, go dogs, by the way. Uh, Georgia... Georgia one. That, that was good. Um, but something that, that I've been learning and I want to share with you th- this morning, I, I really want to cast some vision. Um, I, I had some things in my heart coming in this week and I actually wrote a message all week. And then on Friday, as I was praying through it, I was like, that's not it. Uh, and so I kind of went back to the drawing board and I just want to share, um, what, what God's been doing in me. And, and something I, I've learned is when you have kids, uh, all your habits change, right? Amen. Uh, All the rhythms that you have change and and you have to figure out what's actually important for for you to stay alive, both physically and spiritually. Right. So that's sleep, that's food. There's all different types of things that have to change. And and something that, that we're going through right now is figuring out, okay, what are our spiritual rhythms? And I love that right now we're in this essential series because I know for a lot of you guys coming into this year, you're trying to figure out and you're asking the question, how can I grow more in 2022 than I grew spiritually in 2021? Um, here's what we know statistically. Uh, if you set a New Year's resolution, you gave up on it a week ago, okay? Uh, most New Year's resolutions, they, they die at, at January 16th. Uh, I've got a little meme here uh, to prove it. I love how everyone's feeling great about their New Year's resolutions. Girl Scouts roll up in mid-January like you think you're strong. Somebody hold my vest, okay? Uh, I, I'm going to break your dietary restrictions. Um, but, but something that is in my heart for, for us as a church is for us to not just be a believing church, but for us to be a practicing church. Like it, it says in the scripture, and we're going to, we're going to dig into this. 
It, it says in the scriptures that, that even, even the demons believe that God is God, that Jesus is who he says he is. So, so what separates us as Christians? And here's what I want to submit to you. It's spiritual practices. The things that we do dictate who we become. And so here's my question for you as, as we get ready to dig into the word. Who are you becoming? What's influencing you? What, what are you taking into your life? Is it the city that you live in? Is it the people that you follow on social media? Is it the social narratives that we live in now? Or is it your relationship with God, your relationship with the Holy Spirit, and your relationship with the saints in the church? I believe that God has something far better for us than we've experienced before. And and what I want to let you know is I'm doubling down. Okay, this is what I've been saying. I'm doubling down on my belief. That, that God designed us and he knows the best way for us to live. And so where we're headed as a church, what I'm committed to as your pastor, it is learning spiritual formation, learning spiritual disciplines. And so we're in this essential series. We talked about prayer. Prayer is important. Amen. We talked about discovering purpose. Purpose is important. Today I want to talk to you about spiritual formation. And this is going to be kind of a macro overview And over the next several weeks, months, maybe even this entire year, I'm praying through it, we're going to start going section by section and looking at spiritual practices and and different things that we can put into our life so that we can form and grow and ultimately become like who? Jesus. That is our goal. Jesus is our teacher. Jesus is the rabbi. That's what the scripture says. And a rabbi in the Bible, in biblical times, is someone that someone came behind, that people would come behind and follow after and learn how he lived. And my concern, if I can share concern, my concern for the Western church, and maybe even for our church, is that we would be people who believe but don't practice. We would be people who believe that the rabbi is who he says he is, that Jesus is who he says he is, that he's Messiah, that he's God himself, he's come to save us. But part of that salvation is teaching us a new way to what? Live and walk and find our being. And so go with me. We're going to be in Luke chapter 6, verse 39. Some of you guys are like, Bronson, you're coming in hot off of being away. Uh, We're just getting started. I'm I'm excited about what we're going to talk about today. Luke 6, go to verse 39 if you got your Bibles with you. Anybody got their U version? Come on, let's, let's jump in. Let's get in the word together. It's going to be back on the screen as well. Here's what it says. It says, then Jesus came giving the following illustration. Can one blind person lead another? Now, let me, let me pause here. Uh, the message I wrote for us earlier this week was a message on evangelism. And I was working through it and I was pumped up about it because let's be honest, sometimes pastors hear other pastors talk about things and we're like, yeah, we got to talk about that. And I'll be transparent. That's what I did. I heard another message on it that was compelling and convicting. And I'm like, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to pray for the lost. We're going to do those things. But y'all listen, I think that one of the mistakes that we've made as a church, I'm going to be transparent here. I believe one of the mistakes that we've made is that we've put mission before formation. If you put mission before formation, the people that you're trying to reach will not become like you and in turn become like Jesus. You will become like them. 
And, and I think for us, my heart for you, is that we would be people who become like Jesus, learn how Jesus lived, and then go out and invite other people on the journey of becoming like Jesus. Amen? We don't want to go out and be the blind leading the blind. We want to learn how to walk and live the way Jesus lived and invite other people along the same journey. So Jesus said, can one blind person lead another? Won't they both fall into the ditch? Students are not greater than their teacher, but the student who is fully trained, everybody say fully trained. The student who is fully trained will become like the teacher. That's our goal. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. Uh, Let me pray. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that it's alive, it's active. God, it's given to us for training, for rebuking, for becoming like you. And so, God, we pray that this morning that you you would help us just take a 0.1% step in our discipleship to you, our apprenticeship to you, Jesus. It's your name we pray. And everybody said? Come on, everybody said? Amen. Uh, Have you ever seen a photo of yourself and you're like, oh, no. Okay, you can go. Thank you. High five. Good job. Uh, (laughs) Have you ever seen a photo of yourself and you're like, oh, no. Like, that's me. That can't be me. But, But you have photo confirmation that that is, in fact, the shape that you're in, right? This happened to me. Some of you guys have heard this story. This happened to me in 2017. I saw a photo of myself. They're putting a photo of me up there. You don't have to put that up there. What are you trying to say? I get it. I put on a little sympathy weight. I'm working on it. But in 2017, I saw a photo of myself at the beach. And I, I, I had like, I, I was confronted with the truth, right? I, I'm sitting there, I'm looking at it. And I'm like, okay, I've got to make a change. And so I started Whole30. Has anybody done that before? It means you have like back aches and headaches for two weeks. But here's what happened. The first two weeks, you're craving sugar. Your, your body is in, in literal detox because processed sugar is a drug that's not healthy for you. And so your body is detoxing. From, from all these toxins, all these things that are, that are in your body. And then at some point, once those things work themselves out and you're out of the cold sweats of sugar detox, something miraculous happens, which is you stop craving the thing that's making you unhealthy. So I went through this. I, I did it for two weeks, did it for a month. I think I lost like seven pounds in that first month, and I was hooked. I'm like, okay, this is supposed to be like an elimination diet. Uh, if you don't know this about me, if I get into something or I do something, I go hard, okay? And so I did it for a full calendar year and lost 37 pounds, okay? Uh, didn't touch carbs, didn't touch processed sugar. I was like, I'm never going back. And in fact, I just didn't crave it. I didn't crave soda. I didn't crave sweets. And this is just the, you know, work of God. I didn't even crave carbs, right? Something started to shift within me. Here's the truth that we know is that what we feed ourselves, we hunger for, right? And so for me, I'd gone through a physique transformation, but more important than that, I'd gone through a transformation of my desires. One of the things that Jesus offers us is a transformation of what we seek to satisfy us, to fulfill ourselves, all those different things. And in the end, I believe this. As we walk with Jesus, he'll transform our habits, he'll transform our desires, and he'll transform our 
our hearts and our lives. Because transformed habits lead to transformed desires, which lead to transformed lives. Y'all, listen, we are formed. We are literally shaped by every decision we make. This is a reality in life. Uh, C.S. Lewis said it this way. He said that we are eternal beings, and we are either becoming immortal horrors or we're becoming eternal splendors. What does that mean? That means the things that we're doing, the things that we're doing daily, the things that we're doing weekly, the things that we're doing monthly are shaping us into who we will become for all of eternity. This is why the habits, the way that Jesus lived is so important. And so what I want us to do this morning is I want to take a real honest assessment of where we're at in our spiritual habits. Where are we at in our spiritual health? But in order to do that, we first have to establish a goal. So point number one, if you're taking notes, point number one, our goal is to become like Jesus. I I love how Dallas Willard put it. Um, He he wrote an amazing book called The Great Omission. If you're into this stuff and you want a deep dive, The Great Omission by Dallas Willard is life-changing. He he says that discipleship is a good term, but he he turns it, he says, "A, a way that might be better understood for us is apprenticeship. We're apprentices under Jesus. An apprentice comes and learns from a teacher the way that they do things so that they can go and do what? Do the same thing as well as the teacher. So our goal is to become like Jesus. Luke 6.40. But the student who is fully trained will what? Become like the teacher. Everyone has goals, right? Everyone has goals. Everyone has things that they want to do. The Packers had a goal of going to the Super Bowl, right? It's not going to happen. They had a goal of winning a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers. It's not going to happen, right? He's gone. If you're a Packers fan, Neil, I'm sorry. It's over. Every team in the NFL has the same goal, right? They have the same goal. They want to win the Super Bowl. What separates the teams from win and, and, and those who don't, the ones who have Tom Brady win. <laughs> no. It's, it's disciplines, right? It's practices. It's the thing that they do week after week. It's, it's the way that they come together as a team. It's the disciplines that they put in place that help them win. Listen, a, a goal with no plan is wishful thinking. A goal with no plan. A lot of times you hear this from, from people who are trying to help, and they're saying, well, you've got to set goals. You've got to set clear and concrete goals. That's true. You've got to do that. But the plan, I would say, the daily plan is more important than the goal. Because if you do the daily plan, you'll accomplish the goal. If you just have the goal, but you don't have the daily plan, you'll never accomplish what you set out to do. Does that make sense? Are you all with me on that? The plan to become like Jesus is called discipleship. It's called apprenticeship. Y'all, we are disciples of Jesus. You know, something that I've picked up um, and and that I've learned through the years, and I've been guilty of this at times, is that in in the Western church, um, we we view Christianity like this. You, You get converted and you get saved. Then you become discipled. And then number three, you go on mission. Now, this is true, but the issue in setting it out in that order is that the last two things become optional, right? 
Like, we're saved, and so then you can become a disciple, and then maybe you can go on mission. And, and, and what I would say is this, is I would say you can't separate uh, discipleship from the salvation that comes with Jesus. Because listen to me, guys. Hear me loud and clear on this. Jesus' primary goal is not just to get you into heaven one day. His primary goal is that he would get heaven into you today. All right, that's a really churchy way of me saying his primary goal is that you would start to transform from the inside out now, not wait for one day. But I think what we do as Christians, if we're honest, if we're really honest with ourselves, is we almost look like it, look at it like you go and you buy a new car and discipleship's like the upgraded rims, right? It's like, uh, it's the lift on the truck. It's like, okay, I bought the car. That's my conversion. But I don't know if I'm going to lift it or not. Like, I don't know if I'm going to go that hard, you know? I don't know if I'm going to buy the upgraded rims. Here's what I want to submit to you, is that discipleship is not an add-on. It's the actual call of Jesus. Look, read the Bible. What does he say? He doesn't say, come and believe in me and go do whatever you want. He says, come and follow after me. He says, believe, go and sin no more. Okay, how do we do that, <laughs> right? We're going to get into that here in a second. Um, James 2, 19 through 22 says, you say you have faith, for you believe that there's one God. Good for you. <laughs> I love that, that sarcasm. It's like, good for you. Even the demons believe this. They tremble in terror. The demons how foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his what? His actions. You know, we cannot be Christians in name but not in practice. It doesn't hold up. If, if we want to accomplish our goal of being like Jesus, we have to have strong practices in place to help us become like him. Y'all, this is where, if, you, if you're wondering where we're headed as a church, this is what I'm committed to. This is where we're headed. Is we're, we're headed figuring out, okay, what are the practices of Jesus? We're going to talk through this through the coming weeks, the coming months, and saying how do we adopt these practices and, and start to become like him? Because what we consume does what? It shapes us. What we, what we consume uh, is, is who we become. Um, and so let's, let's talk about some of these practices. Um, I want to read this to you. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. It says, Come to me, all you who are weary, heavy burden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. What Jesus is saying is, come and take my teaching. Come and take my way of life. Come and follow after me, and you'll find rest for your souls. Okay. So what should we feed on? This is the question. What should we feed on and what should we put in place so that we can be on this journey? Number one, we've got to feed on good teaching. We've got to feed on good teaching. I'm going to present a triangle here for you. Um, three different ways uh, that, that we can get on this path of discipleship, that we can work towards uh, becoming the way Jesus has called us to live. But before I do that, uh, it's important. I've said this before. There's a difference between earning and effort. Okay? There's a difference between earning and effort. We don't earn our salvation. That's a gift from God. Right? But because of that gift, there's effort. Okay, I'll say it this way. Uh, grace is free, but growth will cost you. Grace is free. It's a gift. It's something God's given you. But if you want to grow in your faith, which I would submit to you, 
if we are Jesus followers, if we've had an encounter with Jesus, I think every person in this room, I don't think anybody's sitting here saying, no, I don't want to grow. I don't want to expand my view of the world. I just want to continue to struggle for the rest of my life. You know, if we want to grow, it's going to cost us something. So we've got to feed on good teaching. Um, good teaching helps us discover reality and uncover lies. Good teaching helps us discover reality and uncover lies, the lies that we believe. Y'all, we, we always say this. It's like, oh, the world that we live in is crazy. You know, Jesus has got to come back soon. People have been saying this for a long time. The world we live in is crazy, but we don't have to go through it alone. There is 2,000 years of people who've struggled, who fought this fight that we can learn from. And so I guess my, my question, just a question for you just to reflect, is what are you feeding on? What, what's, what's teaching you? Okay, look, let me frame it this way. Where are you spending most of your time gathering information? Is it through social media? Is it through our phones? Is it through our news outlets? Is it through our cultural narratives? If, if you think the city you live in does not shape your view of the world, <laughs> y'all, I get to travel around the state and, and preach at other campuses, and it's hilarious, right? How shaped we are by the locations that we live in, okay? I've never seen it more clearly than I did this past year. The emails that I got at different campuses, the emails I got from you guys versus the emails I got in West Little Rock versus the emails that I'd get in Heber Springs, you know, they're just different. The, the different things that people are wrestling with, <clears throat> and it's because we, we, we become like the people that we're around. And so we've got to feed on good teaching. Uh, I, I want to encourage you, find books that you read. Uh, I'll give you a couple of um, books that I, I've read in the past year that have helped me. Uh, if you're looking for something to read right now, number one, there's a book called The Ruthless, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Has anybody read that? I've got some copies in the office uh, if you can't afford to get one, I'd love to, to gift that to you. Uh, but if you can, go on Amazon, buy it. If you're not reading anything, this is a good place to go to get another perspective on the word. It's The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by a guy named John Mark Comer. Uh, I just said the other one, The Great Omission. If any of you guys read that, all right, you're going to get three gold stars from Pastor B, okay? Because <laughs> this, one's, this one's a tough one. Uh, but I, I think it'll, it'll help you in your uh, discipleship to Christ. Um, the podcast we listen to, do we have any podcasters? True Crime, okay, what's up? Uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But finding good teaching, good podcasts you can listen to. There's a podcast called This Cultural Moment um, that, that I've listened to this past year. If you want to understand... Um, our cultural narratives and the things that are happening, I really think this is in 2018 that they recorded this. If you go listen to it, you're going to think they recorded it in 2020 because it was all the stuff that was happening here, right? Uh, this cultural moment's really good. Uh, there's the Bible Project on YouTube. If you're starting to study a book of the Bible and, and you're struggling, I want to encourage you to write that down, the Bible Project on YouTube. Um, it's really good. Um, the, the Bible itself is good teaching. Uh, to get into. Um, and so what I try to do is, is I try to uh, read a section of Proverbs a day. Um, interesting with Proverbs, I'll give you this. This is for free. Proverbs was a training manual that they used to train young men. 
And so it, it's useful for men and women, but it's, it's literally, if we're talking about being trained by Jesus, this is literally training for ancient Israelites to, to learn how to become men. It, it's pretty amazing. So I, I try to read, read through Proverbs every day, and then a section from the New Testament, whether that's the Gospels or the Epistles, and I just take it a chapter a day and, and read through it. I want to encourage you uh, to do that. You know, we're all be, being formed by something. We've got to remember that. Um, and, you know, we're not the sum total of one decision, but a thousand decisions. Listen, uh, someone, I, I've been pastoring now for 12 years. I've never met someone who came to me and said, Bronson, I was fully fulfilled in my marriage. We were dating regularly. We had a great relationship. We were honest and open with each other. And then suddenly I had an affair. It's never happened. It's always the culmination of a lot of small decisions, little deceptions, little things, little lies that we believe. You'll find teaching that helps you uncover the lies that you believe so that you don't live those lies. Amen? Number two, train and practice to win the race. Train and practice to win the race. Um, John Mark Comer said this, uh, he said, it's not about trying really hard, but it's about training really hard. It's not about trying really hard. It's about training really hard. Practice. Practice turns potential into possibility. Okay? Um, so what if I told you this? What if I told you this? That the freedom you're looking for in your life, in the places where, where you've struggled routinely, it's possible for you to overcome those things. But it's impossible if you don't put the teachings of Jesus into practice. If you're wrestling with the same things over and over and over again, or let's say you've become a Jesus follower recently, maybe today you're going to make a decision and say, hey, the way that I've been living is not how I want to live. I want to follow after Jesus. You have, let's say, 25 years. Let's be, let's be you know, gracious. Let's say you have just 25 years of bad habits to unlearn, Right? One of the things, and I don't want to encourage you with this, <clears throat> this is a process. I don't want you to walk out of here and, and, and be deceived and think like, man, I'm going to walk out of here and I'm never, Pastor Bronson said, I'm never going to struggle with this again. I can have victory. It's true you can have victory. But y'all, I found this, that there are times when God does miraculous things in moments, but it's usually after years of training and practice and resistance against the things that the devil's trying to do in our lives. This is what we're signing up for is decades, not days of discipleship. Amen? Uh, I've got a couple of practices. Again, this is an overview. Uh, we're we're going to dive into this every week, and so I'm, I'm giving you kind of a 30,000-foot view. Um, but these are a couple of practices that I've put in, pra- put in place to help me train, uh, to help me learn how to do the things. Uh, solitude. Uh, Jesus, the, the Bible says that Jesus routinely went off, and he got alone with God. He got away from the noise. So what solitude? Let's define this. Solitude is anywhere you're not with your phone, Okay. If you take it with you, your solitude is over. I'm just telling you. You know they designed these things to, to keep you distracted, right? We all know that. We're all on the same page. 
They're designed to addict us, to feed us dopamine so that we'll be on them so that they can sell our attention to advertisers. We're, we're all, okay, we're on the same page. That, that's how it works. And so if you want solitude, you've got to truly get alone and you've got to get away with God. So that, that's one thing that I'm trying to put into practice. No phone, no kids. It's gotten more difficult. It's gotten uh, uh, 200% more difficult uh, recently, but I'm, I'm working on that. Um, nothing. And so here, here's a challenge for you this week. Could every day you start your day with five, five minutes of solitude, you start your day with five minutes of solitude and you end it. Now here's one thing. You're like, how am I going to know it's five minutes if I don't have my phone? <laughs> Give you a caveat. You could put it in airplane mode and start a timer. Give yourself five minutes. It's going to be difficult. There are going to be things that come to your mind that you've been trying to distract yourself from thinking of that you're going to have to confront. But here's what I want to encourage you. Confront those things because they're not going away. And as we walk with Jesus, we can learn to live above those things. Amen? So solitude, maybe that's something you could put in place. Sabbath. I'm going to do a whole message on this here soon. This has been transformational for me in my ministry, in my life. Um, God created, and then after he created on the seventh day, he did what? He rested. You know, this is an uh, invisible principle that God's wired into our universe. Um, I want to encourage you, if you don't Sabbath, if you are worn out, you're burnt out, you're stressed out, you're full of anxiety, I want to give you a challenge right now. One day a week, if you can, rest. Start the day with gratitude. Unplug from social media. Don't spend the whole day watching Netflix. Do the things you enjoy. Do the things that give you life. Don't work. Trust God. This is going to be hard for some of you guys. This is going to be the hardest part. Trust God by not working. And say, you know what, God, I trust you enough. I'm not going to work on anything today, but I'm just going to enjoy you. I'm just going to enjoy my family. I'm just going to enjoy my friends. Bring people over. Eat, drink, feast, enjoy life one day a week. Some of you guys are like, that's impossible for me. Try to break it up. It's not ideal, but uh, the way the Jewish people would do it is they would start Friday night and they, they would do it all the way through Saturday night. They'd do a full day. Maybe you got to get creative in the way that you do it. So I, I would encourage you, solitude. Y'all, you will, I'm telling you, you're going to walk out with so much more mental clarity every day if you just spend five minutes a day and then maybe you start Increasing that, Sabbath, I'm telling you, your, your anxiety, your frustrations are going to decrease as you trust God with that day. And then daily scripture reading. One chapter a day, one section a day. Just read it, think about it, let it wash over your life. Um, I'm telling you, over a lifetime of this, the person you are going to become is the person that God designed you to be. He created you with potential. And, and I believe that as we walk with Jesus, we walk in the fullness of that potential. Amen? Number three, uh, walk with people who are walking with Jesus. So number one, uh, number one, we've got to know our goal. It's to become like Jesus. Number two, we've got to consume good teaching so that we can un uncover lies and find truth and reality. Number three, we've got to train and practice to win the race. And number four, we need to walk with people who are walking with Jesus, not just friendships. Listen, Jesus didn't just have a disciple, right? He had disciples. 
Jesus modeled for us in the beginning that discipleship is a community effort. So here's my question for you. Who are the people in your life who encourage you, but also expose you? Now listen, the world has friendship. I'm not talking about friendship. I'm talking about deep sacrificial community. The people who encourage you, but at the same time speak truth to you. When you're out of bounds, they love you enough to say, hey, you're doing that and that's killing you and it's hurting other people and I love you too much. Let's talk about it. Let's deal with it. There were four things. I'm going to be going through this with our worship team this semester. Um, Four things that God hit me with uh, that, again, I'm going to tell you more about, but I'm giving a lot of information, so I'm not going to give all of it. But one of the things is that something that has to be present for you for you to really experience the community that that God's designed for you is confession. You have to have people, you'll listen to me. This This is a tough one, but it's essential. You gotta have somebody who knows what you're going through. You gotta have somebody, and it's so tough in church because we wanna come in and we're like, we wanna put our best foot forward and we want people to think we're great and we wanna give advice in small group or whatever. You know, we feel like, man, if, I, if I'm honest about what I'm struggling with, people won't respect me. Here, here's, here's what the church has to be. The church has to be a place where someone can know the worst of you. And here's what you're gonna find when, when that happens. You're gonna be loved more by them, not less. You gotta find somebody. Listen, if you don't have anybody, that's something, put it on a list. Say, God, show me somebody I can trust. You can't trust everybody. I'm telling you, I've learned that. You can't trust everybody, but there are people you can trust, okay? We've gotta be people who are walking with people who are walking with Jesus. You all over the next year, um, I really wanna work through this. We're gonna talk about uh, idolatry, kind of what are the idols of our day? How do we uncover those things? How do we walk through those things? We're gonna go deeper into this kind of stuff that we're talking about here. And then I'm gonna encourage you uh, at some point to find a small group of people that you get together with, that you break bread with, that you read the Bible with, that you grow with. And this could be your friends. Your existing group of friends could quickly become a small group. How do we know that something is a true community of faith? At some point, Jesus becomes at the center. He he becomes the the center focus of the night and the conversation. You start orienting things around that. You know, we want more than friendship, okay? We want community. And so this is something that that we're going to go through and that we're going to talk about us. And so I want to remind us um, with these practices, these things that I'm encouraging you with, this is not effort to earn your salvation. Uh, This this is training in becoming like Jesus. And that's our goal at church. And uh, for me, coming back in, this is the thing. I was riding on a plane uh, from St. Louis back. I went and watched the Georgia game with my cousins. Uh, you should see my uncle's face. He cried. He's 56 years old. He cried uh, when Georgia won. Um, but on the plane, I got, I got just a little bit of clarity. And, and I believe that this is what God's asking us to do. And so uh, goals for this week, I want to give you guys some goals. Determine the areas that are most shaping you and pick one of these practices and start to put it into place. Pick one of these practices, whether it's solitude Um, whether it's scripture reading or whether it's, you know, taking that step and trusting God and saying, hey, I'm going to take a Sabbath. Um, And so here in a moment, we're going to go into a time of response. Um, And I just want you to ask yourself two questions. As we went through this, was there anything God was speaking to you? 
was there anything that, as we talked through it, the Holy Spirit uh, just pulled on your heart and said, man, that's, that's the area. That's the area you got to work on. You know, listen, I'm, I'm going to give those three areas again. So you've got good teaching, you've got good practices, and you've got good people. And the thing that ties it all together is the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's going to guide you. The Holy Spirit's going to lead you. And so two questions. What, what's God speaking to you? What's God pulling your heart about? And what's he asking you to do about it? Amen.